Lutheran Church of the Nativity in Arden, North Carolina, I am so excited that you have chosen to worship with us, however you have chosen to worship with us and whenever you have chosen to worship with us. Today we celebrate Pentecost, in which the Spirit is moving among the church and in our lives to make all things new. If you would like to join us for worship next week in person, please keep in mind that we will have one service at 9 o'clock in our sanctuary, and then our 11 o'clock service will be at the chapel up at Lutheridge as we gather with the Lutheridge summer staff to have our Lutheridge summer staff celebration Sunday. So please keep that in mind. You are welcome to come to either service. There is no signups at this time. My friends, let us continue with our brief order for confession and forgiveness. As we prepare to celebrate the presence of Christ in our lives through worship, let us call to mind and confess our sins. Jesus said, before you offer your gift, go and be reconciled. As siblings in God's family, we come together to ask for God's forgiveness. Let us pray. God eternal, giver of light and grace, we have sinned against you and against our neighbor, against our friends and against strangers, in what we have thought, in what we have said and done, through ignorance, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We have wounded your love and marred your image in us. We are sorry and ashamed and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and lead us out from darkness to walk as children of light. Amen. Friends, God will enrich you with grace and nourish you with blessing. God will defend you in trouble and keep you from all evil. God accepts your prayers and absolves you from all your offenses. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. O oh God, on this day you open the hearts of your faithful people by sending your Holy Spirit Direct us by the light of that spirit that we may have a right judgment in all things and rejoice at all times in your peace through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with your, you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading is from Acts, the second chapter. When the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale forth. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks, and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. There were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pilgrims from all over the world. When they heard the sound, they came on the run. Then when they heard, one after another, 
their own mother tongues being spoken, they were blown away. They couldn't for the life of them figure out what was going on and kept saying, aren't these all Galileans? How come we're hearing them talk in our various mother tongues? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, visitors from Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, immigrants from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, even Cretans and Arabs. They're speaking our languages, describing God's mighty works. Their heads were spinning. They couldn't make head or tail of any of it. They talked back and forth, confused. What's going on here? Others joked. They're drunk on cheap wine. That's when Peter stood up and, backed by the other eleven, spoke out with bold urgency. Fellow Jews, all of you who are visiting Jerusalem, listen carefully and get this story straight. These people aren't drunk, as some of you suspect. They haven't had time to get drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. This is what the prophet Joel announced would happen. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. Your sons will prophesy, also your daughters. Your young men will see visions. Your old men dream dreams. When the time comes, I'll pour out my spirit on those who serve me, men and women both, and they'll prophesy. I'll set wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billowing smoke, the sun turning black and the moon blood red, before the day of the Lord arrives, the day tremendous and marvelous. And whoever calls out for help to me, God, will be saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading is from Romans, the 8th chapter. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the hearts, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is the Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 20th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When it was evening on that first day, 
the first day of the week. And the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Judeans. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After Jesus said this, he showed them his hands and his feet and his side. And the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This is the gospel of our Lord. My friends, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Pentecost is a day of great celebration, and many proclaim it to be the birthday for the Christian church, and birthdays are to be celebrated with joy. However, Pentecost also poses a serious problem. But first, a little history lesson. We are so accustomed to think of Pentecost as a Christian feast that we can forget that it existed as a Jewish feast many centuries before the Christian church inherited it. Indeed, it is the second of the three great Jewish feasts, celebrated 50 days after the Passover. Pentecost is also known as the Feast of Weeks or the Harvest Festival. More than this, Pentecost commemorates the giving of the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. And unlike Passover, this is not a quiet family commemoration, but a time when all people come together for a brief time to renew their connection to God and to one another with great celebration. In the centuries before the first celebration of that Jewish feast and the coming of the Spirit upon Jesus' followers, the fortunes of God's people rose and fell many times. King David's great reign and Solomon's grand temple were long since gone. It was Herod's temple that the apostles of Jesus knew, a far smaller and less, in, less impressive than its predecessor. And Herod was no David or Solomon, merely a puppet for the Roman occupiers. Many of the people living in Palestine at the time of the apostles were longing for restoration of all that was past. Pilgrims made their way to Jerusalem as they did every year to celebrate this holy feast. They came with their frustrations about their present situation. They came with their anxieties about the unknown future. They came with their longings for past glories and seeking the past golden age. That Pentecost, they came. And so did the Spirit. With a rushing wind and tongues of fire, the apostles experienced the presence of God. In power and in intimacy, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and sent forth to proclaim the good news of God in Christ, to heal aching souls and to bear witness to the divine, incomparable love for all. And the people responded. Thousands of people responded. That Pentecost day ended, ended quite differently than it had begun. 
The apostles displayed signs and wonders, and new members were added daily to their number. The Spirit had come. A new community was born. It was a very, very good beginning. And this is where the problem lies. It has been said that the greatest obstacle to future success is past success. From failures and mistakes, we can learn, but our successes, well, our successes can fool us into thinking that what worked then must be what will work always. The best days always appear to be back there, back then, in the good old days. And our past successes all too often get in the way of God's new work before us. That Pentecost was a success, a great one, in fact. But the later introduction of newcomers who were somehow different from the insiders, those who were in the original group, of, group called, created a problematic situation. Tensions began to surface. A few of the newcomers somehow bridged the gap and were accepted into the group, and others were not accepted. These newbies, these outsiders, were viewed with some suspicion. They had not been a part of the group since the beginning. They didn't know the inside jokes. They didn't fit in. And yet, it is the newcomers, then and now, who are often most open to new possibilities. And even sometimes, as the insiders long for times past, it is the newcomers who push us to see new things. In the book of Acts, following the success of Pentecost, the apostles actually held back. They stayed in place. They did great work. They built up their own community, but always in the shadow of the temple always within the limit of their comfort zone. For the movement to grow beyond its Jewish roots, new leaders were needed and a new base established. It was in the city of Antioch, believers from Jerusalem brought their message. It was in the unusually recent newcomers who spoke to the outsiders, proclaiming that salvation is for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. A great number became believers in Antioch. But more importantly, in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, we come to what must might be one of the most important yet most underrated verses of the entire New Testament. And it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. Antioch, not Jerusalem. We may celebrate Pentecost as the birthday of the church, but it might be more accurate to speak of it as the beginning of a gestation period that was only fully realized with something truly new in Antioch and beyond. Only then do we see a separately distinguished group altogether where believers are willing to reach out to people beyond the normal synagogue membership. Antioch was about to become the base for a new set of missionary endeavors that would reach beyond both ethnic and geographic boundaries. And the apostles sent out from that base 
would not be from the original 12, but rather those former outsiders, like Paul, who would serve as Christ's ambassadors to the world. Now, the church would be neglectful to not acknowledge its past, its history. It is, of course, the reason why we celebrate the great festivals of the church, so that we can never forget where we came from and why we are here. We still do so many things in the life of the church because it's always been done that way. And that isn't necessarily a bad thing because it's always good to remember and honor past traditions, past celebrations, past successes. However, it's also important for us to keep in mind that God is at work in new things. God has always and will always be present in our old ways of doing things, but most especially God is active in the new things of the church. The Spirit has been moving here and continues to move here at Nativity as the world starts to regain normalcy. And we are seeing some wonderful old traditions come back into our worship lives and into our faith lives. However, most of us can also agree that things are changing. They have, they, they've always been changing. To breathe, to move, to live is to change. This and the church, this church, this congregation is a breathing, moving, living thing that has always been changing, even if we haven't quite noticed or acknowledged it. We are living in times of deep and significant change for the world, for our country, and for our congregations, especially following the past 14 months. But the good news for us on this Pentecost and every day is that the Spirit never dies. It keeps moving in and among God, the, God's people, the people of faith, and the world beyond. When we start to run out of energy for the work of revisioning, let us look to the community of faith, the scriptures, the sacraments, and the spirit to rekindle our passion to serve God's people through this community of faith connected to the larger church. The problem of Pentecost is when we hold on to how the spirit moved in our church and in our lives in the past, and we fail to see how the spirit is still moving. But we are not people who hold so tightly to the past that we cannot see the joys to come. We are a people. The Nativity Faith community are a people who see that the Spirit is up to something new in our here and now. It all began with Pentecost, but it could not stop there. Because the good news is that the best times are not sometime back then, whenever then was. No, the good days are now, and they're not old. They are new. God is and will continue to make all things new and all days new, now and every now yet to come. Amen. Let us confess our faith.
using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. On this day of Pentecost, we unite in prayer no matter where we are, asking God to send the Holy Spirit on the church, the world, and all in need. Let us pray. Oh God, you have promised to hear us when we pray. Therefore, in confidence and trust, we pray for the church, enliven the church for its mission, that we may be salt of the earth and light to the world. Breathe fresh life into your people. Give us power to reveal Christ in word and action. We pray for the world. Lead us and every people into ways of justice and peace, that we may respect one another in freedom and truth. Awaken in us a sense of wonder for the earth and all that is in it. Teach us to care creatively for its resources. We pray for the community. Inspire with your wisdom those whose decisions affect the lives of others, that all may act with integrity and courage. Give grace to all whose lives are linked with ours. May we serve Christ in one another and love as he loves us. We pray for those in need. Comfort and restore all who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. May they know the power of your healing love. Make us willing agents of your compassion. Strengthen us as we share in making people whole. We lift those up who are hurting and who are in need of healing. We remember those who have died and those who mourn. On this Pentecost Sunday, we pray for the church around the globe, for the Eastern Orthodox, Church, Orthodox churches. We pray, come Holy Spirit. For the Roman Catholic Church, we pray, come Holy Spirit. For the Protestant and Anglican churches, we pray, come Holy Spirit. For Pentecostal churches, we pray, come Holy Spirit. For evangelicals and independents, we pray, come Holy Spirit. For our own congregation, we pray, come Holy Spirit. And for everyone who searches for you, we pray, come Holy Spirit. Mighty God, you breathe fresh life into our bones and your spirit brings truth to the world. Send us this spirit. Transform us by your truth and give us language to proclaim your gospel through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
The peace of the Lord be with you always. Friends, I do encourage you at this time to share a sign of peace with those in your household, those who are listening to this worship service with you. Send a text, throw a message up on social media, plan on calling a friend later today to share the love of God with them and pet your pets. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Jesus tells us, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Oh God, you pour out your spirit on all. You empower us to know your truth and fearlessly to proclaim your gospel among the nations. Your love fires our hearts, and your, in your spirit we hunger and thirst for justice in the world. The God of hope fill us with all joy and peace in believing, so that we may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The God of all grace bless us now and forever. Amen. Send forth your spirit, O God, and renew the church and the face of the earth. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.